Welcome to a Couch Divided podcast where secular psychology meets a Christian worldview with Dr. Robin Hall and Nick Thomas. All right, Nick, sit back and relax. And if you can't, we need to talk about that. <laughs> Prepare to be couched. Welcome to a Couch Divided podcast with Dr. Robin Hall and Nick Thomas. Thank you all for joining. Uh, we have a, another episode here for you. Uh, I'm sorry about the delay. We had a delay in the last one, but life life happens, right? Well, yeah, we didn't post. Was it last week? Yeah, we didn't post last week. Yeah, yeah. we apologize. Life happened. Please forgive um, us. We want to be in a place, ultimately, where we've got an archived bank of episodes so that that doesn't happen, but life at the moment so life. but we do have a lot of content up and so i hope that you, yeah, uh, you guys... dove into some of the things that we've talked about if you have not yet listened right so and we hope you're sharing it with your friends and family too yes that's <laughs> <laughs> share it share it and that's actually what the comments that i've been getting you know like uh, personally like hey my my sister just uh, oh yeah we know. definitely are hearing from a lot of you guys that can relate to different yeah and you guys are tagging your siblings talking. and your friends in the posts and the comments and yeah like well that, so, we so that. i mean nick is um uh, nick is manages our social media for the most part so he's the one that's posting these amazing memes and stuff um we both we i mean we collaborate on the memes themselves themselves but he comes up with all the captions and so it's so much fun when you guys comment and like that stuff and then you actually like it yeah, yeah. we get a kick out of it too so some and, we create some we found and things like that yeah. i would probably i would probably uh venture to say that my humor is more dark than like the average dark humor even i, I can concur um wait you concur that that's true of, of well, me or you? of me to you. Oh, okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you think that that's also true of me though uh well yeah getting to know you yeah and, and uh, here, yeah you like dark uh, comedy or dark humor yeah you don't work in drama without developing yeah some kind some of kind of uh, morbid aspect some of morbid humor. defense mechanism. yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway so before we we're going to talk about um Depression today. Yes. <sighs> okay. I said that really jovially. <laughs> I, maybe, talk I about depression. maybe I should have said it like Eeyore. Um, anyway. How do you say that joyfully? <laughs> how do you say what? How do you say How do you say we're going to talk about depression joyfully? I like, feel like I just did. did you, you don't skip, think I did? What? Well, yeah, but I mean, I, it wasn't skipping down the street joyfully. Like, depression, depression. We know. weren't frolicking right, right through a field. Um, Cut that song out. So we are we're going to talk about uh, specifically major depressive disorder today. Um, we're trying to cover topics first that seem um, well, hopefully everything we talk about is relevant, but we're trying to cover topics that um, well, they've been recommended that we get a lot of feedback about and that also in my experience and in Nick's experience seem to be like pervasive issues, stuff that you guys are right. dealing with more 
frequently. Um, anyway, so we are actually getting ready to um, do a crossover episode with the guys over at Cultish. Um, and we're really excited about it. Uh, the episodes themselves should be really interesting. Um, both Nick and I have uh, personal experience experimenting with psychedelics. Um, neither one of us have experience with them used as treatment. Yeah. But um, yeah, the crossover episodes are going to be related to the use of psychedelics and right. mental health treatment. So we hope you guys are... Um, excited to check that out we're really excited to record it and we'll keep updating you um about when that's gonna launch yeah i really identify with that word experiment uh mm. with psychedelics because there's people who just want to get high and i don't call that experimentation <laughs> um but i really wanted to gain some kind of enlightenment on, on that uh, in psychedelics so hopefully we go into that topic of of pharmacia uh, as well. Oh yeah. Um, of what the secular world or drug addicts or mm -hmm. anything like that would would say about experimentation. And I was and, super curious yeah, at first. Yeah. That's what really motivated me. Curious, I was very curious to what I was going to see, what I was going to yeah. know, what I was going to feel. Things <laughs> right. Like that. I was yeah. yes, same. So yeah. And please don't hear it. We're not glorifying that experience, but that we're speaking to the motivation we had. Yeah. Back then. Thank Christ, you saved me out of that experimentation. Right. Um, so yeah, so be looking for that. Um, and then Nick, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about, uh, well, I mean, there's not tons to tell uh, the website. Oh yeah. So, uh, a couch divided podcast will be launching a website here shortly and we're working on it right now. And so we already bought the, the domain name and, uh, setting up email and everything like that. So please and the be sites under construction. Yeah. Right. And then I give you guys a chance to engage with us. Um, as well. And then, you know, hopefully later on, uh, we would produce more content uh, besides uh, shows and memes <laughs> and that right. you could access on the website uh, as, as well as our Instagram, things like that. Sure. As well. And so that's in the works right now. Um, and, uh, you know, me and Robin, I, I would say that... <coughs> There you go. Get that out. Sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> no, wow. I, I would say that uh, we're new to all of this and we're uh, just learning as we yeah, go. Yeah, babies. And, and uh, you know, we're doing all right. And, uh, yeah, and novice uh, level. Oh, as well. Praise Jesus that you are so like happy to manage all of that because mm. it's fun. It well, really I'm glad. Is. I'm really glad you enjoy it because mm -mm. <laughs> because, uh, because you, you the thought of it is yeah. it's actually it's not even the thought of like doing it doesn't really intimidate me it's knowing like the effort and energy and time that I don't have that I'd have to put into learning it right. so you really you sacrifice a lot for our podcast being single has its advantages it really does <laughs> you get to do a lot of other things but speaking of you pulling your hair out this this I've wanted to do that like editing the right. the, the videos and the, and the podcast learning you know what audio is and not doing very well in it until yeah. you know the later stuff so you're seeing a grassroots thing and we've mentioned that before start <laughs> yeah right and so you were here at the beginning cut yourself lucky because at the end you're going to be like oh, you're going to be right. the hipster in a couch oh the pr like yeah. the pr the production value is going right. to like just be insane i remember when their audio was <laughs> clogged man i remember so. when they didn't start each podcast by like being repelled in you know yeah Yes, yeah. <laughs> Into the studio. Uh, we also have to kick a, a heavy thanks to uh, 
uh, Jeremiah Roberts, oh, Jerry yeah. uh, from Coltish, and Andrew Songkrant uh, for his praise and uh, for his prayers as well, um, because we've been modeling them and they've been helping us and even mm-hmm. finding us content uh, sometimes, and uh, we appreciate that as well. Yeah. So. Oh, and we love all of your guys' feedback too, so please keep giving it to us. Um, yeah, was that getting... like all of the business stuff we had to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that's that's in the works right yeah. now, and um, you know, we'll get that up as soon as possible. Sure, yeah. right. We want a, like a platform to be really interactive with you guys. That's outside of social media accounts specifically. Yeah, so, and you guys already saw this on our Instagram that we are planning on doing a crossover with Cultish, right? Like uh, I with just this, said that you just said. Um, and uh, so keep give us, giving us your feedback on that. But then hopefully we maybe will have the website and things like that uh, done in that in, in, in time for. for that yeah, that's the crossover. goal. We don't yeah. actually have a launch date specifically for the website yet, but we're working. Well, Nick's right. working very hard on putting it together. So there you go. Um, and then all, we want that to be a real, like a resource for people to eventually. I want to like make show notes, things like that available. So. Oh, yeah. That people would be a big can, thing. Yeah. And the studies and stuff that we site and any other ideas that you would like to see and content wise <laughs> go ahead and give us uh, your comments uh, we'll hold good uh, to what is righteous and reject what is evil so. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so yes uh, I got yeah that's it that's all the business one of my favorite true crime podcasts says uh, that's enough for the business that's enough of the biz yeah. man so anyway that um or housekeeping stuff. Um, so, actually, have you gotten requests for depression? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. I didn't. I don't remember specifically seeing them, but um, I feel like depression and anxiety are the two biggest, like the most commonly talked about. Well, you know, I'm I'm glad that we're experience. We're doing this episode finally. It's a huge topic, like the PTSD that we did. It was a huge topic, uh, but just like PTSD, depression isn't just you know, I feel low today. Kind of sure. Thing. So I'm glad that we're explaining, you know, the certain types of depression uh, possibly or, you know, uh, it, you know, its prevalence and what, what you said is its pervasiveness. So. Sure. Yeah. Um, we're going to go over lots of that. So um, I'm finding, too, that when I put put information together for these podcasts that um, what d- describing what certain things are not seems to be yeah. pretty helpful. Yes. Um, so what we again... This is not an exhaustive discussion. We are going to be focusing specifically today on major depress major depressive disorder. Okay, so um, that is only one of the depressive disorders, right. and I'll, I'll go through the the names of the other ones. But um, this would be the most commonly diagnosed form of depression. When people say that they are depressed, they're very likely referring to symptoms that fall here so that's why we're starting here um we're not talking about bipolar disorder right okay which um involves mood dysregulation just like major depressive disorder does but it's that's a a huge discussion in and of itself right right? so um we're going to focus on some statistics around major depressive episodes Mm -hmm. um and then hopefully give you guys some information that clarifies you know like you hear tons of stuff in pop culture like um, manic depressive and right. some of that stuff comes from the evolution of terminology right, right across right. the years um but a lot of it is just uh, layman 
derived. So like right. somebody described it in some way and it really doesn't have any like yeah. bearing clinically whatsoever. So um, we've discussed this in our recent episodes by using terms that mm-hmm. really I mean, if you look at the term itself, doesn't explain, you know, uh, you know, everything. So sure. if I were to say I'm starving. And I'm, you know, I just ate yesterday. I'm not really starving kind of thing, but we use that term to describe how we're feeling. And uh, a lot of the times we, we, we use the word depression or manic depression mm-hmm. and we really don't understand what these terms actually clinically mean. Right. Right. Um, we're just describing a state of mind in the moment, maybe. But, right. Well, I mean, yeah. or we're, you know, like we're using what we've heard. Right. Right. Um, but so mania is a real is a specific kind of mood episode, mm-hmm. um, and m- most the depression that's most commonly experienced by people does not include manic symptoms. Right, right. Okay, so when somebody when you're describing that your mom suffered from depression, when you say like manic depression to a clinician, mm-hmm. I mean they're not gonna they're gonna assume that you really don't know what that right. means first, exactly. but. Um, they're going to ask questions to try and figure out do you actually mean that they're experiencing manic episodes or is that just the term that you've kind of heard or associated yeah. with depression right. so yeah so we'll do another episode on bipolar one and bipolar two um but we're not going to talk about those today and that is where you see mania mm-hmm. occur all right so how would you i like starting it like this how would you describe or define depression. Meg. Well, we're going to go over this a little later in biblical application, but as coming to know the word of God, I described a depression as the crushed spirit, your total inability to delight in the Lord based off your circumstances or perpetuating circumstances that you are. Um, I normally love it, that so much. Yeah. Wait, can you tell, can you, can you, for those of you guys that don't know, can you tell everybody where God talks about or uses that specific well, um, I, terminology crushed in spirit. Well, I would like to go what, what the Proverbs say, and we'll, we'll explain this a little later on here, but we'll just, you know, we'll just give the verses here. Like Proverbs 18, 14, will say a man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. Mm. So we, there's sickness mm-hmm. and then there's the lowly state to where the, the, it's you can't overcome it. Uh, it's uh, your inability to overcome without some kind of help. Right. Um, though we have natural and biological resilience and even uh, therapies that could help you. Sure. The crushed spirit is something that's fractured in the soul and in the spirit. And I really do correlate that with depression, suicidal ideation. Mm. Specifically, depression might come out and manifest itself into where you don't want to get up. Uh, antisocial behavior, maybe, uh, possibly. Self-deprecation. I mean, there's a lot of categories that this will correlate into. But whatever you're in, your inability to delight in your creator will produce what we are calling depression. Okay, and, gotcha. Uh, so that's how I newthetically break it down. I like yeah. that. Um a lot. I like the definition the that definition a lot. Um obviously that is not like a clinical like a psychological no, no. um definition, but hey we're redefining things, right? Well, yeah. I mean, um, I, I really do think that, you know, uh, we do need to work with psychologists on this in the biblical application. Yeah. Because if we're going to steer towards, you know, people towards Christ. I mean, that's Christ, the whole point yeah. of what we're doing. It, we're really helped, to... it really helped me understand that, yeah, my biology or my, you know, my psyche at one point was prone to depression a lot uh-huh. because of the anomalies or things or the past traumas, whatever, that I went through, the anxieties, whatever, which you're going to go through right now. Um, I, under, I had to understand that my spirit was crushed 
and that it was being redeemed by God. And as soon as I focused on that and understood it in biblical terminology, I was able to go, ah, mm-hmm. uh, he's the one that bore the crushed spirit. I'm going to put my hope in him, which we'll talk about a little later on. So. Awesome. Yeah. So I think to, um, I would like expand that definition, um, to like include what, I mean, this is, I apply this to like any disorder or, um, like psychological, uh, syndrome, right. Right. Um, that, it they all occur on a spectrum okay so not so there are some disorders that actually include spectrum in the title Mm -hmm. but that's not what i mean i mean that they occur like across a gradient right right right. so there's one end of the spectrum with like very mild symptoms Mm -hmm. that are severe and impairing because it wouldn't be a disorder if it didn't impair function right but they fall in the like more mild end and then you've got symptoms on the other end of the spectrum it would be like the worst of the worst, right? right? The, right. the most debilitating, um, you know, in every uh, sphere of functioning. Right. So you have like the slightest degree, a little medium and right. high kind of And thing. crushed yeah. spirit to me, and I, so this is just my um, reaction to right. that terminology. Like this isn't, I'm not speaking from any platform outside of that. Um, to me, the implication in the like those words would be more towards the, the like the, the high the uh, high the more the more depressed end yeah the term the spectrum i mean the term crushed right there right. gives you that uh that feeling that feeling but there are categories which we'll I'll go over um in about hopes and desires uh which we would look at uh, on uh, a depression and things like that uh, a lot of a lot of things are predicated upon your hopes and desires and things that you don't have or things that you want or life's beatings, whatever. Sure. Uh, but obviously there are going to be categories. So I think there are categories of the crushed spirit, but we have to be careful about how we define them, which is what you just pointed out. So Right. Um, so uh, we're going to go through the DSM criteria so you guys can hear how, clinic, how this is described clinically. Um, but I think... Um, just basically and generally before we jump into that depression occurs or we understand it as occurring in episodes okay so we essentially define operationally define what a depressive episode is and then the depressive disorders center around the experience of either the major depressive episode or some variation of that episode um, and you guys, like whether you've struggled with depression yourself or you know somebody that has, you guys can relate to this. It there It is seasonal. And I, although there is actual some actually some some mood disorders that are very like seasonal effective, what I mean is that you watch depression ebb and flow mm-hmm. um, or you experience it as ebbing and flowing. For the most mm-hmm. part, it is episodic. Yes. Um, there is a major depressive or excuse me, a depressive disorder that's more um, continuous. Um, and we'll come, we'll talk about that a little right. bit as we get over it. Um, so yeah, so episodic. So it ebbs and flows, which I think is a mercy, certainly, right? Um, that they're... It's very um, To understand that it's it, yeah. that the mood, like your mood is transient, yeah. is a mercy. Yeah. Right? That's, that's a very optimistic way of looking at it, too, as well. Some people will see it as an annoyance, a thorn right. that keeps coming back. But in the light of God, 
your total being is not that it is episodic mm-hmm. kind of thing which is yeah you you have sometimes joy <laughs> yeah, <laughs> before before the storm yeah. right yeah. um so i also think that um it's important to acknowledge the difference between a physiological cause for mood dysregulation mm-hmm. and an environmental one, mm-hmm. right? So there's lots and lots of statistics. I don't have any of them today um, related to uh, genetic mm-hmm. propensity, mm-hmm. right? Um, to, to be genetically predisposed mm-hmm. for specific kinds of mental illness. Right. And the, I mean, the numbers are there and yeah. they're real. There's no doubt about it. It's there. Yeah. My issue with it is that I don't think that we take into account, uh, truly take into account just how much our environment influences our genes um, <laughs> when we're talking, you know, when we're oh, yeah. talking about that. So anyway, what I mean, the difference is somebody who, for example, experiences a traumatic brain injury right at the specific areas of the brain there are specific areas of the brain that are damaged that results in kind of a chronic low mood or an episodic low mood right so we've seen that happen um well you still might be experiencing some depression from the injury like just being depressed that you were injured right for the most part we're talking about an organic or physiological cause for depression mm-hmm. most of the time it's not that mm-hmm. okay so you hear a lot like chemical imbalance right mm. i have a really big problem with that terminology i hear that word a lot too, um in yeah. fact a lot of the medications and this is not a discussion about medication um so i'm not gonna jump into that giant cesspool today um but a lot of the medications that we use to treat depression um in my opinion actually end up causing chemical like quote-unquote chemical imbalances rather than solving like right to where they create an issue that then needs to be solved yeah to where maybe new problems will uh arise because of it right or like you create you create a system where you need to continue taking the medication. Yeah, it's like a so golem. It's a we'll talk. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about that. We'll spend whole episodes talking about that. Um, and what I'm not saying is that you should like if you've been prescribed medicine that you shouldn't take it. So I'm not right. commenting on anyone individually. Yeah. That's between you and your like physicians. <clears throat> We're talking right? about the structure and the institution. I'm and talking about yeah. the mechanism of action that's involved yeah. in certain right. psychotropic medication. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, yeah, that I being, can go off on a tirade on that. That being said, um, most people experience depression in like uh, situationally, mm-hmm. right? We be we lose a job, we become depressed. Mm-hmm. We go through a breakup, we become depressed. Um, whatever life circumstance is happening, we are reacting to that circumstance. And I would say that that is, by and large, a majority of our experience, right? Right. Um, so it isn't that there are... I'm not diminishing or ignoring or neglecting in any way that there can be a physiological component to this right oh yeah definitely there is absolutely and for some people there may be a genetic predisposition right right what i'm saying is is that we don't acknowledge enough the influence of environment or circumstance on our mood 
right. on our genes, period. So I, I remember, I'm just going to quote this one time. Uh, it was weird how I acknowledged this or even I thought, I put on a pair of sunglasses that had a weird, weird tint. I wear my yeah. And uh, just diving into behavioral health and knowing how the brain structured, when I put on these sunglasses, there was a sort of like a beige thing going around in my environment. I, the first thing I said, it was almost innocently, and I go, I wonder how this will affect my mood. Uh, because oh. I'm viewing my uh, my environment through, through a lens of through you know, rose colored glasses. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it didn't have to cause depression. It could have caused no, me no, joy. No. But I'm just like, I know that our environment will clash with our genes, which is so important to have the fear of the Lord to structure, you know, what right. is truth. I mean, things. so like, okay, how many of you? Got, how many people find it difficult to avoid crying when they're at a funeral, even if they aren't really related or connected, right, to the individual, right? oh, especially yeah. if there's a lot, like a large gathering of mourners, yeah. right, <laughs> like. Oh man, I've been embarrassed because I've been moved to like the snot cry at yeah. funerals of people that I met one time or didn't know at all. You're just paying respects and to the family. And it's like, oh yeah. my goodness. Why am so, I crying? Because like, you break your, your heart. Our environment influences our mood very much. Yeah. What we consume influences our mood, the media that we yeah. consume, right? Um, yes. Okay. So, two major depressive disorders specifically. Um, like I said, it is housed in, in the DSM 500 depressive disorders. And before we like define major depressive disorder, I'm just going to run through the other disorders in this category, mm-hmm. right? Um, so we've got disruptive mood dysregulation disorder, um, ooh. Uh, persistent depressive disorder, which was formerly called dysthymia. So this is like a chronic. Um, so like if your baseline mood was normal, not super happy, but not sad, right? Just kind of middle of the road, normal, contented. Um, somebody who has persistent depressive disorder, their baseline would be like two marks below that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like their average all the time mood is just lower. Yeah. Okay. Um, and we'll do we'll do an episode where we talk about the other disorders in this category in more detail but there's so many uh, things that are going around in my head right now which I will uh, bring up later in this uh, this podcast um, because I really do think that the the crush spirit also testifies to these these things that you're saying about so it's very interesting Mm -hmm. yeah um premenstrual dysphoric disorder so our PMDD is the abbreviation that people will be familiar with. Um, and then substance or medication-induced depressive disorder. And then, as always, you've got your kind of catch-all category, well, depression due to another medical condition, unspecified, and then other specified. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, major depressive disorder. So that's those are the disorders that are housed in this category. Um, and like I said, I think with the exception of uh, dysthymia or persistent depressive, mm-hmm. most of the time you're dealing with episodic right, right. experiences. <clears throat> okay. So, Nick, you actually mentioned some of this in your response a little bit, um, like uh, low energy or not mm-hmm. being able to get, What are some of the kind of telltale signs that you associate with depressed mood? Obviously, this is going to be predicated upon my circumstances, and and so it's not going to be, you know, to the masses. Or you, you at home may be listening to this and and, and can um, relate to it uh, in, in 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 similar features. 
but I experience a lot of self-deprecation. When things start to go wrong or, or when suffering comes, uh, I find it very hard. What do you, can you explain what you mean by self-deprecation? Yeah, where I'm actually, well, I'll, I'll do it lamely. I'm picking on myself. Mm-hmm. I think I'm trash, loser, things like that. Yeah. Comes from a mean. lot of, yeah, just I'm mean. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting myself verbally mm-hmm. uh, in this. Um, too much of a coward to actually do it physically. Um, but verbally, it's easy. It's the least path of resistance and it fractures your, your heart. When suffering starts to come upon me, one of my biggest struggles, and it, it's gotten so much better with the Lord, but I'm showing you the totality of my life. One of my biggest struggles um, is not seeing my suffering as a reflection to me. So let's just say, you know, I didn't get the job that I wanted. Let's just pull something out. If I look around my room and there's clothes on the ground, I go, oh, this is why, because you're just the biggest loser. And they and they showed you're you that. You're just That will start to perpetuate in ill thinking, which will start to put me in bed, which will eliminate uh, me. Okay, living. so that's kind of the progression for it's you. A, it's a progression uh, to depression and not an instantaneous depression. Hmm. But let's just say when I was coming off of drug addiction, we were talking about, I don't know, I don't like the term chemical imbalances either, but you go through a process of what they call post-acute withdrawal. You've heard that, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So, and yeah. when you're talking about a substance, yeah. you actually have messed uh, with yes. your brain chemistry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so sometimes <clears throat> I would wake up and I, I, I'd feel depressed and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. It's just my brain was – in post-acute withdrawal, your brain's repairing itself, but it hits you like a sack of potatoes. Oh, man. yeah. Uh, you have three good days and all of a sudden you wake up and life sucks, you know, and you can't – you don't even know why. And then you start to fill in the gaps of why you think you know why, which could actually make it worse, mm-hmm. which is really where God when, showed me. Like that, the explanation yeah. that you should probably focus on is like I'm going through withdrawal. I, exactly. And, yeah. So knowing that atmosphere and God, uh, God, the fear of the Lord uh, and him teaching me to focus on him in these moments really – mitigated the extra dare I say trauma or uh, or painful things that I might say to myself in these mm. situations because it's not predicated upon truth at all and you're going through a system in your head that is repairing itself. I'm pretty sure that was the third time you said predicated. Yeah and already. I will say it like three more <laughs> times maybe propagated too as well. Gotta this keep is why predicated. I'm, I'm glad we have pop filters now because I'm saying a lot of P words. Um, but, um, okay yeah. so Yes. So that's definitely, I think, a really common experience for people who are feeling depressed is that um, I like Nancy Wilson. She talks about internal soundtracks, right? Those soundtracks um, matter and what we're telling ourselves matters, right? So if mm-hmm. you're if you see the clothes on the ground and your thought is, well, of course, they didn't hire me. Like I can't even I'm a grown man and I can't even pick up my clothes off the floor. Yeah. Right. So that is. ooh permeating yeah. right it's infectious and i just give you a light situation sure i mean there's deeper things uh, of course to that, but that's a that's a, a common thing yeah. so there yeah um i think i think a lot of people uh when they think of depression they think of sadness i you know kind of jokingly mentioned eeyore um at the beginning just melancholy yeah. um I'll be all a glass is half empty kind of outlook right, right. So even if they don't want to have that outlook um fatigue appetite well we'll go, we're gonna go through the actual symptoms but I think sadness is probably the most commonly thought of part mm-hmm. of depression right and there's yeah. so much more again this occurs on a spectrum like yeah. you can have like sev- very 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 severe 
And mine is that when I experience these things, it's like an ebb and flow. What you uh, mentioned between anger and sadness. Oh yeah. Usually sad first, but yeah, there's. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Because anger is a secondary emotion. Yeah, there uh-huh. you go. It's much easier to be angry than it is to be afraid or hurt. Well, the sadness, when I go, <laughs> oh, I'm so sad, it's bringing me low, I want to fight, so I get angry. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to attack it yeah. more so, and then I, I found comedy it's as an avenue to, yeah, to filter that out. Yeah, um, Which is harmful. It really is harmful. Well, that's right, yeah. Nick was a stand-up comedian, y'all. If we yeah. haven't and everybody's going to, I'm waiting for him to be funny on here. Don't worry, I'll start my own podcast where I'll just go on rants and things like I that. I think you're funny. Um, okay. So major depressive disorder. Um, I, I'm just going to run us through the criterion again. Like, not again. We haven't done this specifically, but this uh, type of thing we've done right before. Right. Um, so the A criterion uh, under major depressive disorder five or more of the following symptoms and they must have been present during the same two week period Mm -hmm. okay so you see this all through the dsm there are time specifiers right Mm -hmm. the first 30 days following a a trauma you don't diagnose post-traumatic stress disorder right it like that it's post uh, i think oh my gosh i'm totally blanking post-acute something um or acute stress disorder or something Mm -hmm. like that um so there's they're all throughout the dsm So at least two weeks, um, and that the symptoms represent a change from previous functioning, okay? Um, So essentially what we're going to do now is define major depressive episode. In order to diagnose major depressive disorder, you have to identify a major depressive uh, episode has taken place or is taking place, okay? So you either need to have a depressed mood, okay? And depressed is just that, like, less low, melancholy, sad, Mm -hmm. um, or loss of interest or pleasure in things that are normally interesting or pleasurable. So the clinical term for that is anhedonia. This is stuff, like, I usually like golfing, but now, like, the idea of doing that just sounds disgusting. Mm. And it's not because of the 100 million degree heat we have. Um, Or, you know, like, I generally like watching this television show, but it just sounds awful. Like, I have Mm. no interest in the things that I normally find interesting. Mm. Um, Musicians that don't want to play their instruments, right? Um, Stuff that I normally find pleasurable i just have no interest in so if you even if you aren't noticing like specifically a sad mood if you just have this other right anhedonia this loss of interest you can still qualify for a major depressive episode you remember that 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 movie throw mama from the train oh my gosh it was billy crystal it's great movie right i I love that movie it didn't it didn't really yeah it didn't really (laughs) uh, make a lot of money in the box office but the the reason why i bring that up is because he has writer's block throughout the whole thing and he's focused on his wife being more successful than him or his Mm ex-wife and and then yeah a, a lot of events you know he gets accused of murder when he didn't do anything but the reason why he couldn't i mean the whole movie he's laying on a rock you know what i mean in the ocean he's drinking man i really need to rewatch this yeah he's he can't write anymore and he used to be a brilliant writer and he hates his situation he hates that his wife is more successful he can't get over his wife he can't get over these things therefore it starts to affect his daily activities and though i don't think he qualifies for major depressive disorder in this movie because it's mm. billy crystal and he's acting but <clears> it <throat> does show you when you said like a, a musician 
doesn't play their instruments anymore. I immediately thought of Billy Crystal and Throw Mama from the Train. Okay, so like I I do not remember this movie well enough to like know the nuance of this. So, but I'm just gonna say it. That would be different than Anhedonia, and this is yeah. why because he wants to write. Oh, there you go. So there's a desire. So mm-hmm. you're this talking is, about in, no is, desire whatsoever. When I think about doing that activity, it the it it is either blah, yeah, or like ugh, yeah. Right? Ugh. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's a, a feeling. Is that's ugh. a word that I use a lot is mm-hmm. ugh. Okay. When I write, right. I look at it so and I So that's not the same. You might become depressed because you have writer's block. Yeah. But like wanting to write and not being able to is very different than. Right. You might want to want to. There you go. That would be so anhedonia. I'm, I'm glad the way that you're defining this because, again, we'll start to mix up terminology and say that we're something that maybe we're not. Right. And, uh, so that's good. Um. Okay, so you need at least one of those, depressed mood or anhedonia, and then five or more of the following symptoms, okay? Mm-hmm. Present over at least a two-week period. Depressed mood most of the day, nearly every day, as indicated by either subjective report, so that would be like somebody vocalizing, I feel sad or empty, um, hopeless, or observa- observations that are made by others. So um, everybody is different, but... When I get depressed, I shut down and turn into myself. Mm. So, like, I don't, I might not, like, vocalize that I'm feeling depressed. Hey, I'm feeling depressed. Right. But my body language is, saying that, is yeah. like, ob- it's obvious. Right. Mm. Um, head hang down, uh, head low kind of thing like that. Well, or, like, if people are watching, like, they, you know, like, you, this person's really acting very sensitive and very mm. tearful right or sleeping Mm -hmm. a lot or not sleeping at all that kind of thing right um so in children and adolescents this can be irritable mood okay more so than like depressed exactly um to markedly diminish interest or pleasure in all or almost all activities most of the day nearly every day as indicated by subjective account or observation so either you've watched this happen or they're actually reporting it themselves significant weight loss when not dieting or weight gain so this is one of the like interesting things about major depressive depressive disorder or a major depressive episode depression can make you eat everything in sight or want to eat everything in sight or it can take away your appetite so you've got people that like fall on either side of that and it Mm. can change from episode to episode Mm. you know just to keep things interesting right um uh number four is insomnia or hypersomnia. Again, you've got that juxtaposition of right. sleeping too much or not sleeping enough, being able to sleep. Um, psychomotor agitation or retardation. So um when I don't know if everybody knows people like this when they get anxious or they are themselves, they tap their feet or tap a pen or mm. pace. So that would be psychomotor agitation. Right. Or the opposite of that, like being a couch potato slug, like not moving, feeling heavy and weighed down. The agitation, even as I'm talking right now, the agitation in my leg, uh, I mean, I'll shake my leg a lot. Uh And you can either, it's one or two things, something I'm doing because I'm relaxing. But usually when I'm talking to people, uh, sometimes I fear of not saying the right thing and boom, it goes to town and that helps me process. And I really, I mean, I hate it because now I'm focused on that and I'm like, and then I'm thinking that the other person doesn't even believe a word I'm saying because they can see because how nervous. Because you're tapping your leg. Because I'm uh, how nervous I look. 
Yeah. Oh, well, I didn't notice you tapping anything. So. I, one time I was talking to a Jehovah's Witness and I was saying everything right. And I go this, but my leg was kind of moving Twitchy. a little bit because of the intensity of the moment. Um, because they just came to my door and I'm like, okay, cool. I got to get into this. And I wasn't prepared. Great. And but, God delivers them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and God was working, you know, through my language and, and showing them. Uh, however, um, one of the cop outs that he went in there and he goes, you know, I see you're shaking your leg. We're not here to, to beat you up or anything like that. Uh, and I go, yeah. I don't think that, but I think it gets misinterpreted a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I also think that, um, well, so psychomotor agitation can be a part of, um, a oh, hot topic, ADHD. Mm -hmm. And a lot of adults, I think, um, cope with attention deficit issues. Don't like, don't realize it cause they've coped their entire life. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and that like, it can be a, a way to help people concentrate too. I think we get that checked out. I mean, why do, why do we like fidget spinners? It's the same right. concept, right? It's like giving yourself something tactile something to do. Yeah. To do. Um, fatigue or loss of energy all of these are nearly every day okay so it's not like one day in the two week period it's almost the whole time um seven feelings of worthlessness or excessive or inappropriate guilt which can become delusional nearly every day and this is not merely self-reproach or guilt about being sick um inappropriate guilt uh hmm. <clears throat> so this happens when we like assign ourselves as the cause of something inappropriate like that we ha had no control over or um did i mean if it becomes delusional then like could only exist in fantasy potentially right mm -hmm. <clears throat> um but yeah feelings of worthlessness Diminished ability to think or concentrate or indecisiveness, again, nearly every day. Or uh, nine, recurrent thoughts of death, not just fear of dying. Recurrent su suicidal ideation without a specific plan or suicide attempt or a specific plan for committing suicide. Um, there is a... Uh, um, it's actually, it's a note. It's not a specifier um that it's a note is that what you said yeah um there so there used to be in the revision of the dsm that we had before the five there was a um an exclusion included in major depressive disorder that didn't like that essentially said if any of these symptoms are occurring in response to a loss a bereavement then you don't you don't diagnose major depressive disorder mm, okay. or you don't have to diagnose major depressive disorder right. um because it's common to feel these things because we in, over pathologize everything and when you someone dies right yeah you are it is a normal thing to be yep. upset yeah. about it right um so i don't believe that like it is an ex like an exemption or exception anymore but there is a note about it we actually see this in this in the scriptures too they allotted particular time in the levitical law to grieve uh i think it's 30 days but uh um and then you you it was supposed to after that you you get back to work and get back to life kind of thing like that so they give you an expansion of time who did wait, i'm grieve. sorry who did this, that 
this is in the Levitical law. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Well, you know what you're. You know what you get here in Arizona. What? You know how many days? <laughs> no, you I don't. Three. Know. Three days. Your job is protected for three days following bereavement. Yeah, that's not enough. Yeah. Uh no. Yeah. Right. Can but you I, imagine trying to go back to work after losing a child? Yeah. Three yeah. days later, and you know, and and hopefully you got a job that. Has, right you know, isn't ridiculous but right. legally that's all that they have to provide you and protect your job yeah here in arizona yep it's absolutely ludicrous i could get on a soapbox and talk about it all day yeah and then again everybody's different sometimes people need two weeks three weeks four you know things like that but then uh, wh- wh- where's the cutoff time and that's that's there really is, what it gets, so yeah. i mean this is like that, that's a loaded question to me, and we'll do episodes on like grief, bereavement, dramatic loss. Um, there's no graduation date from something like that. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Ever. Yes. Like you become more functional, hopefully, as time passes. Mm-hmm. That might be because you you learn how to compartmentalize enough yeah. to survive. It might be because you go to therapy. It, I mean, who knows? Yeah, the grief may le- <clears throat> never leave you, but it's a it's a difference between grief and then transforming into disorder kind of thing. So we, the that's why this new revision of the DSM says like What's it should it? be very carefully considered because if symptoms persist, then like is it above and beyond what would be considered normal okay. as a reaction to loss? Makes I argue sense. that that's like the most ridiculous thing in the entire world. Right. Um, like... <clears throat> There is no normal. There's no normal, especially. For, I mean, and I would argue that all bereavement's traumatic for the like for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are there are types of loss that again fall further down like on the spectrum. Right. Right. Especially when family members, <clears throat> and I think this is where... loss that violates the our our perceived like expected order of things. Right. Children are supposed to outlive their parents. When they die, it violates like a natural order, an mm-hmm. expectation that we have. Like, so there's a lot of stuff that goes into this. Right. Um, that's good. And that's why I was like, I love the biblical category of the crushed spirit because now we can have something that's spiritually something that 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 God would say, okay, a crushed spirit is not good. We're going to repair it. And when you find yourself in that, is really where uh, the the biblical atmosphere, the terminology that it uses, and uh, what um, what it defines as this kind of disorder, um, how you can really repair yourself in the light of the Lord, but still experience the grief that is normal and healthy. Uh Right. So I would be extremely hesitant to call anybody's grief disordered. Right. Um, Does it impair functioning? Oh man, it absolutely can. Yeah. Um, But I like to me assigning a diagnosis of major depressive disorder in light of any kind of loss like Mm -hmm. this, is very irresponsible because it pathologizes what is a normal reaction. Right. Right. Normal reaction, abnormal circumstances. There you go. And so I think what ends up happening is like once you get told you have a disorder mm-hmm. and you feel like you're doing it wrong. Oh, yeah. Okay. Even if that has nothing to do mm-hmm. with being diagnosed with something, that's right. just part of it. Right. Right. So rather than allow yourself to normally like at a normal time like rate timeline at a normal speed process and accommodate and adapt to the loss Mm -hmm. now you're doing it wrong right right and that's what you're focused on you're not focused on like coping processing through 
like dealing with the enormity of the emotion that comes along with something like that. Right, right. Um, it's ridiculous. It's mm-hmm. absurd, right? Like if you 40 years after your husband died, you're still wearing black every day and you like, you know, you refuse to to date somebody, right? I mean, I'm, this is totally wait, hypothetical. Wait, it happens. I'm, I, <laughs> um, we live in a world of Murphy's Law. Like, you, I mean, you're you, we're talking about somebody becoming sinful, right, and idolizing right. grief, right, and loss. So I'm not saying that there isn't a threshold ultimately, right. But for anybody to comment on anyone else's experience following loss, oh my goodness, exactly. Like, oh, they should be this. They should be that. They should. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, let's just analyze what you're saying here, right. because it really now your grief turns into condemnation um, and uh, inappropriate guilt is what you just mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. It can start to perpetuate a little bit more. So I'm on the side of uh, your thinking on this when it comes to calling it disordered. Right. Uh, but then I also look at the scripture and I go, okay, so we don't want to call it disordered, but are you experiencing crushed? So like, yeah. is there a place where you will cross a threshold into sin? Yeah. Yeah. There is. Do you want to die from this? So that's, that's when you, when it. you yeah. worship, the loss itself when it becomes more of part of your identity than Christ, yeah. then we're in trouble. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. And I can think of like 18 things in the law uh, right now that would, uh, that would revive your spirit when you follow, mm-hmm. but then crushes your spirit when you don't. And then, you know, sometimes our grief and things like that can perpetuate eventually into these things. Right. But then it's not con, you know, if you're in Christ, you don't have to call it disorder or mm-hmm. you don't have to condemn. We do have to repent. And it will help you. And this mm-hmm. is the part of carrying each other's burdens. I mean, the, the Bible looks at the totality of the human condition and says, this is the way to go. Right. Uh, when you're experiencing these things. And clinically, yeah, when we start to get, uh, you know, like you said, overpath. Uh, it's dangerous. Yeah. These things, yeah. It could be dangerous. It's yeah. dangerous. Um, I So I will say that the benefit of assigning a diagnosis when you're going to therapy with yes. somebody is like insurance companies require a diagnosis. Right. So if this is best describes what you're going through, mm-hmm. um, I, like on principle, I have a really hard time with that also. But <laughs> what, what I'm saying is, is that that happens a lot. Yeah. Um, and if it means that you can get services. Right. Um, that's the way that our system is set up. Yeah. Right. Um, it's sad that it's set up that way, mm-hmm. that you need a diagnosis in order to receive service we had some kind of theonomic <laughs> atmosphere maybe it would all be different but okay one can hope one day <laughs> that was like a plug a plug for a, a, plug, for a, a plug for a christian theonomy uh-huh. yeah, yeah yes okay yeah so that's i mean i'm not gonna go th- read read through this the like the note about bereavement okay so yeah in a nutshell a major depressive disorder is at least two weeks most of the time during that two weeks five or more of those symptoms that I listed mm. with at least one of them being either depressed mood or anhedonia. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yes. So major depressive disorder, you could have, there's, there's lots and lots of specifiers. We're not going to go through each one. Right. Um, like it would just, it's not, it would it's just not interesting. the whole time. Yeah. Um, clinically it's important, but it, it's just not interesting. So um, if there's, you know, we, if you're ha- having multiple, if you've had multiple episodes, we mm-hmm. specify that mm-hmm. major depressive disorder, um, recurrent episode, and then we give a, a rating for severity, mild, moderate, severe. Yes. Okay. So um, 
single episode, right? Mm-hmm. Um, major depressive disorder with psychotic features. So you can become so depressed that you start del- like having delusions, delusional ideation, or become hallucinatory, right? You can mm-hmm. become psychotic. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that occurs, but it occurs within the context of a major depressive episode, and that is the only other, the only thing happening, right? Mm-hmm. That would be something you'd specify in a diagnosis. Right. right. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. There's a seasonal affective specifier. So if you have mood swings when you're moving in and out of like summer light months into darker months. Right. Which is extremely real, by the way. And our light exposure, exposure to sunlight is very, very important. People in Arizona get a lot of direct sunlight exposure, so we don't feel it as hard as people in, like, Washington State. Yeah, I was going to say Seattle. Mm -hmm. It's not a coincidence that grunge came out of there. (laughs) (laughs) We thank you for the music, but I, 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 my heart breaks for your mental illness. (laughs) It created a good category of music, but uh, heartbreaking for a lot of people experiencing. So... Um, now that you guys understand what a clinician, like how the clinician understands major Mm -hmm. depressive disorder, depression, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it'd be interesting to go through some statistics. So, um, this looked at prevalence of major depression or a major, the experience of a major depressive episode among adults and then among adolescents. Mm -hmm. And it was, so this information was taken from a study that was conducted in 2017, uh, the National Survey on Drug Drug Use and Health from right. 2017. Um, and yeah, once we get a website, we can link that. <laughs> it's our website stuff. We can link that stuff for you guys. But I just thought it would be interesting to kind of go through some of the statistics. So um, this will be fun. What do you, like in terms of statistical representation? How do you how do you think? How are people depressed in the United States? Um, adults, 18 and older, as of 2017, <laughs> um, regarding prevalence of major depressive episodes. What percentage? Like, yeah, population. Of 18 or older? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I mean, I'm thinking pessimistically in here, but I want to say about 40%. Oh, no. Mm-mm. Yeah. Much larger or smaller? Smaller. Thank oh, God. See, that's what I'm saying. I, I was like, I don't know if I'm depressed and I just live in a world of depression or... <laughs> um, 15 then i'll go lower oh uh, man more practical. Um, okay so <clears throat> um an i'm estimated... very i'm very bad at guessing jelly beans in a jar i'm super bad at it too <laughs> i have like i don't know what is that like spatial reasoning i i don't yeah so maybe perception? i'm like rain man you know what i mean how much is the snickers bar like 8 825 <laughs> but i can do your math homework for you 825 that's what he said oh man <laughs> like he can do all kinds of math and when they asked him how oh, much man. a snickers bar was, he's like eight dollars that reminds <laughs> me of an yeah an arrested development yeah, yeah. bit with uh what was her name? oh she just passed away jessica walter yeah um She's like, how much could it... She's talking about bananas. Yeah. <laughs> just, how much could it t- cost, Michael? $10. $10, yeah. <laughs> you never actually stepped foot in a grocery store. Yeah, yeah. Like um, 60 cents, maybe. Anyway, I love, love, love Arrested Development. Um, okay, so um, thank goodness. I mean, praise God uh, that the number was so much lower than 40%. So... An estimated 17.3 million adults in the U.S. had at least one major depressive episode in 2017. 
which represents 7.1% of all U.S. adults. <laughs> I said 40. Yeah. Thank God, right? Thank God Nick's not. I lowered it down to 15. That wouldn't have been unreasonable. Um, do you think depre- depressive episodes were higher among men or women? I'm going to say women on that. You would be correct. So uh, major depressive episodes were more prevalent among adult females at 8.7% compared to males at 5.3%. Is this statistic probably because women are more apt to talk about it and confess to such things than men? Or do you really think that it's more prevalent in uh, women naturally? Um, No, I definitely think that that influences that I'm not exactly sure I didn't look at their population information yeah yeah um so I'm not exactly sure how like the, their population is is representative yeah. right because there's a machismo aspect of guys like maybe no, no, no. that do well guys are it. encouraged yeah. to like ignore and stuff feelings yeah. right and girls are I mean if they're not encouraged to be emotional they're typecast that way right mm, yeah so um yeah, I. But my guess is absolutely that number is influenced just yeah. in like a woman's um, statistically higher likelihood that they are going to talk about or report right. a, a major depressive episode. Hmm. Um, Interesting, guys. Why don't you start opening your mouths a little bit more? Um, right. I definitely think it's probably much more evenly split. Although it would, it like it might still end up being more heavy with yeah. women it, it doesn't take away your manhood guys to admit it uh, to admit these things you know what i mean in, in fact if you have a biblical definition of manhood admitting these things is the first step to your repentance to pursue such things uh, so open your mouth and get help it's act right well it, it's actually a lot it takes a lot more strength to can be to be intentional and confront issues than it does to pretend they're not there amen um okay so uh, the prevalence of adults with major depressive episodes was highest among individuals aged 18 to 25. So uh, they represented 13.1 percent. Um, individuals 26 to 49 represented 7.7. 7. Hmm. And then their last category was 50 plus. So that's a really huge range. But that was 4.7 percent. Right. Really? Um, another interesting f- f- statistic. uh from the study was that uh, they found that the prevalence of episode major depressive episodes was highest among adults who were reporting um, two or more racial identities. So be like be at least biracial. Um, Eleven point three percent of the population was made up by individuals who identified as. Uh, yeah, having more than one race. Am I saying wow. that correct? I hope I'm saying that right. Um, so uh, biracial plus was 11.3%. Then um, Hispanics represented 5.4%. Mm. Whites, 7.9%. Mm. Black people, 5.4%. Mm. Asian people, 44 Native Hawaiian or other Pacific Islander represented 47 American Indian or Alaskan Native represented 8.08 percent. Sorry. Hmm. So yeah, you can see how how it's kind of dispersed right across. There, are, it's it appears anyway that more pop certain populations are more susceptible than others. Oh uh, yeah. Um, but I think along the lines of the point that you were making, white people are probably more likely because this is uh, we're not going to get into this discussion. Um, 
for a lot of different reasons, cultural reasons, they're probably more likely to report. Yeah, and that the is experience of, that is the when I say dominant. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm saying there's more white people in America than there is all those other. Is that true anymore? I don't know. Maybe you're right about that, but I uh, that would be a, a, an argument for for one of those uh, for those statistics. Yeah. Like uh, right, sure. Yeah. Like this this percentage of the population is only like. Right. Right. At right. least, I mean, if we're going to speak Western culture or at least America, contemporary America, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually not sure, like, if those numbers um, really, really matter anymore. Are, well, yeah. if they, like, if they're, they're the ratio, if we were going to compare, like, ratios together, if they would be representative, right? right. So, like, you know, only however much, you know, I've, I'm completely blank drawing from hypothetical, but, like. Yeah, if, me too. Yeah. Thirty percent of the population is Hispanic. Then, um, of this sample, right for the study, four point five percent, like right, yes, yeah, is Hispanic. Are those numbers comparable? Right? Are they right? Does that make sense according to like how it's actually represented in the real population? Mm-hmm. I'm not. I have no idea. I'm not sure what the population data was. It's something to consider. I bet we would find something like that in there. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Okay, so an estimated, they actually separate out major depressive episode with impairment. And I don't really understand that because. Yeah, me either. It's not an episode if there is an impairment. So um, Now they're just talking about a random event. Anyway, (laughs) that's that's weird. 11 million, they said, they estimated 11 million U.S. adults aged 18 or older had at least one. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, so this, they use the word severe. One major depressive episode with severe impairment. Hmm. And that represented 4.5% of all U.S. adults. It looks um, like they defined impairment a certain way. I think that's why you're probably getting that. But. Yeah, I'm sure they did. Um. Okay. So there were some treatment statistics that were kind of interesting, too. Um. I thought that was interesting. So, like, I always am super leery of this kind of stuff because, like, people are so weird about how what they share and what they don't share. Oh, yeah. How honest they are when they respond to this kind of stuff. Um, so I just mm. feel like there's error in it inherently. Um, but It's like taking a personality <sighs> test. You end up lying because you want the best attribute. Well, and the, they're supposed to account for that, for, like, a fake good, <laughs> really? yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Margin of error. Um, so they looked at treatment... Um, and they identified certain types. So health professional only, medication only, health professional and medication combined. Mm-hmm. So in their population, um, esti- an estimated 65% received combined care by a health professional and medication treatment. Mm-hmm. Treatment with medication alone was least common, so 6%. And um, 35 or approximately 35% of adults that experienced a major depressive episode did not receive treatment of any kind. Mm. Um, so then they looked at adolescence, which I thought was interesting, and we should separate them out, right? When we kind of jokingly refer to like, you know, the stereotypically moody, sullen adolescent, right? Um, an estimated 3.2 million adolescents from ages 12 to 17 had at least one major depressive episode. Again, this is 2017. So that number represented at the time 13.3% of the U.S. population aged 12 to 17. Um, Let's see. 
high, again, higher among females than males. So 20% among adolescent females compared to 6.8% of males. Um, and again, prevalence of episodes was highest among people reporting two or more races. So they break it down uh, female and male, Hispanic 13.8, white 14, black 9.5, Asian 11.3, American Indian, Alaska Native 16.3, and then two, uh, two or more races 16.9%. They also break it down by age, which I thought was really interesting. So from 12 to 17, what do you think the, what age do you feel like is the most depressed, Nick? What would you guess? What age? 12 to 17? Uh, which year? I would say about 14 to 15. Okay. So this identified 17 as the worst, well, the highest percentage. So 12 so, years, 4.8%. 13 years old, 8.8%. 14, 11.8%. 15, 17.2%. 16, it actually goes down to 16.9, which is interesting. And then 17, it goes back to 18.5. Yeah, I can see uh, because of the, uh, especially in Western culture, this might not be. Um, right, this is the, this is yeah. the U.S. Yeah, um, because at 17, what are you getting ready to do? You know, and if you did lots of life changes, lots happening. of life changes. If you didn't live up to the expectations to be successful during those life changes, it can cause uh, depression. Identity issues are, are, are prevalent too. job, college, career, uh, family development. I mean, th those are the things that you start to think about a lot in, in that age. Uh, certainly I was at that age and maybe you were, too, as well. And, and maybe the listeners at home who are 17 <laughs> that are listening to us um, are experiencing that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the reason why I said 15 and 16 is because those are the ages where you start to come into yourself as well, or especially in high school, you know what I mean? Yeah. That you start to gain an identity or start to search for it a little bit. I think that varies. But yeah, yeah. It, like there, that is a very a time ripe with right. that happening. And all kinds of things can happen in that area. So that's really why I picked that. But I was also a little biased too as well because I was like, well, you know, you said... 12 to 17 so it can't be 12 or 17 <laughs> and uh, so oh, i tried, to, tried okay. to maneuver my way around that yeah that's super funny yeah um so yeah um there there's a few more statistics related to treatment stuff it's not that interesting um but i think the overall idea is that um while clearly 17.3 million adults is a large number mm. when you look at that in comparison to the full population you're not getting uh, really a truly high percentage of people reporting major depressive episodes at least in this year mm -hmm. so that's good news um but you know like all of this begs the question like what about what isn't reported mm -hmm. right um when people aren't asked or people are asked and they're not honest um or they don't, maybe it's less that they're not honest and more so that they don't even know how to describe mm -hmm. what they're going through um just lack of the tools that you would need, the language you would need. Right. Um, so, yeah, so that's it. Uh, Nick, is you're going to give us some of the so, I mean, scripture. We, I mean, we started talking a little bit about it, but... Um, so what does all this mean in light of scripture? So we have all this knowledge. We have all the statistics. We already discussed 
uh, a little bit of how dangerous overpathologizing things could be. Uh, what does the Bible actually say about this disorder? Because we can't be the only generation that's experienced this. Oh, no. You know, Freud didn't discover uh, uh, these things. Um, and certainly uh, uh, people that have tried to define grief and the sufferings that people get uh, uh, didn't become, you know, more you know, prevalent in our culture just simply because they defined it in the ways that we're defining it right now. The Bible's always acknowledged. Oh, yeah, no. Fact. This phenomenon has existed since the fall. Since the fall. And it really is a product of yeah, that Yeah, our language well. has changed about how, you know, in terms of us describing it. Exactly what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. So biblical application on depression. Let's just call it depression. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> That's what we're talking about. What does the Bible say about these things? And really, it starts to talk about the crushed spirit. Everybody goes to the crushed spirit. And so I do have two verses. Uh, uh, two of them we mentioned at the at the beginning of the podcast. I'm going to reiterate these things. And then just through a, a form of you know exposition and exegesis, compare these two verses and what they're centered around and what really is the crushed spirit. And then we can go from there. So uh, Proverbs 18, 14, we mentioned this at the beginning, a man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. And I want to really break down the first half of that, a man's spirit, which means, I mean, they used it as a, you know, characteristics, personality, the immaterial part uh, of you that we still acknowledge today. We, we just call it personality. We have a personality type, whatever. So a man's spirit will endure sickness. What does that mean? Well, it means we do have natural resilience based off of the design that God has given us. Mm -hmm. We are able to overcome a lot and we do. Believe it or not, though we may struggle overcoming it, mm -hmm. um, we can. But here's the thing, a crushed spirit who can bear. So a man's spirit can endure the sickness, but if that man's spirit is crushed, it can't. Yeah. I described it as your total inability to delight in your creator, mm -hmm. which is also your total inability to want to even move on or live. Right. Uh, I mean, it, I think it can become that. Yes. <clears throat> um, but here in Proverbs 13, 12, it'll say a hope deferred makes the heart sick. Mm. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Mm -hmm. That heart sickness can be correlated with the crushed spirit mm -hmm. as well. So this is predicated upon, there you go, uh, <laughs> of hope and desire. And the first proverb would be the spirit that is crushed. So the spirit is, uh, that is crushed really has no hope um, and has no desire. And if it does, it's, it's foregone. It's gone away. Uh -huh. And so sometimes your expectations on where your life should be or what you wanted to happen towards an individual or devastating moments such as grief, uh -huh. you know, a loss of some uh, someone that I can't go on without this person will cause sickness and a crushed spirit. Mm -hmm. And so the elements that we see in here are really hope and desire. If we look at the terms of depression, we would see a lack of of hope and desire. Oh, yes. I mean, we just mentioned a lot of things. I mean, things. that's the, so like, what is it? Every but single that? symptom yeah. touches yeah. those things. Yeah. yeah. And so the Bible just wraps it up and says, crush spirit. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing the remedy to all of those symptoms, whether it be hope, desire, loss, grief, suicidal ideation, we can see the crushed spirit is full with those things. Now you have a total inability to, to light in your creator. What do you do? There's no way out, mm -hmm. right? So we start to cope with you know medications which we uh you know i'm really okay all right well maybe maybe not um but let, you know let's talk let's not over pathologize but let's talk 
Galatians 6 says to carry each other's burdens. So you do yes. know that you need help. At the end of the day, though, you still have to bear your own load, right? I mean, I can't be another person, so I can no, only no, help no. so much. But you don't have to suffer alone. Exactly. Right? You don't have to suffer alone. And then Christ, though, was able to bear a crushed spirit and overcome it. Mm-hmm. Right? He was the only man that could be driven to totally, uh, utterly despaired, but be raised up and overcome that, which is why right. we cap off all episodes. Abba, Father, why have you forsaken me, yes. right? Yeah. Well, uh, and and that, uh, that was a fulfillment of a prophecy. It was, but like what it speaks to. Exactly. Right? As a total innocent man taking the wrath of God upon himself and then overcoming it. Like right. he did it, which you can't do. It's so which, glorious. Yeah, which you will never be able to do. But which you don't have to do. Exactly. Now, there is mechanisms within this and how we achieve that delight and the glory in, you know, in the gospel. Obviously, right. you have to be born again. Um, obviously, you do have to repent. As hard as it may be to look at your sin in total and utter despair and grief, it's the best thing for it. I just mentioned it earlier. Men, speak up. I know that you're hurting, Mm -hmm. but you need to talk because you still have the responsibility to be a man. And when you don't, you're going to end up in bed. It's it's poisonous. (laughs) It's toxic. It's it's poisonous. You have a crushed spirit. Mm -hmm. The Bible talks about it. You talk about it. Um, And so... Instead of but, saying, I mean, this is so. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Lily, but like, I'm just gonna plug again. Like, this is why being a part of a body, a church party, is so important. You can't do it alone. Yeah? I mean, yeah. there's a reason. There's a reason, right? right? We're commanded to be in community with each other. Right. Um, I mean, to experience the me- the means of grace. Speaking reformed analysis here in the church. That we we receive the presence of Christ through the preaching of the word, the encouragement of the body, the the confessions of sins, our ordinances and sacraments. If you want to call it sacraments, I know Doctor White doesn't like that word. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but then the singing of songs and psalms and spiritual songs. I'm not saying that these cure a crushed spirit, depression, suicidal yeah, ideation. But you can't experience these things with a crushed spirit. So what do you do? Yes, you have to boom because. God has given us this church to where we filter all of this stuff out and you can't participate in that even if you're there because you're your crushed spirit then st- things need to happen repentance needs to happen acknowledgement of what happened sure. uh, needs to happen a delight in God needs to happen and this is where your counselors and your pastors are going to help you out uh, mm-hmm. uh, with that same way that you broke it now we can define it categorically which is what you broke down in uh, in the DSM and then we can start to match these up with biblical mm-hmm. uh, terminology and precedence so that you can overcome these things. Mm-hmm. Because if Christ lives within you, you can right. overcome these things. Which is why we cap off every episode of what? You know, take courage. He has overcome, overcome right. the world. Right. Take, heart. take heart. He right. has overcome the world. So I think, um, yeah, I'm like, so... We're not spending time. There are lots of different things that you can do, like little little tools, little like practices that you can put in place to help when you're feeling really depressed. Um, and maybe we'll do like a, I don't know, like a live video or something and talk about those. Well, I, I would love to. And, and I'll speak a little bit personally. We'll wrap it up. Yeah. Mm. I struggled with. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna use this word extreme depression no clinical diagnosis severe, or anything like that yeah. severe extreme whatever severe um, especially coming out of drug addiction some of that was biological anomalies uh, my brain repairing itself from 
the over usage of dopamine and serotonin that just you know i had a disorder in that way and then that starts to get better over time as your brain starts to repair itself but the scars of what you're experiencing through that stay and they're very i mean i mean we use the word pervasive in your life there i mean it's it's unwanted and, yes. and, and and it starts to spread throughout that now you have to start to structure your mind but one thing that really came clear to me is defining who you are within those things uh, because a lot of my problems and I, I, I see this in a lot of problems with, uh, with people who struggle with depression crushed spirit in this case is defining who you are and, mm. um, and not necessarily your worth he is worthy and so therefore look to him mm-hmm. um, but who you are in light of him he, he explains throughout that scripture who you are a sinner in front of a holy God but then redeemed by his worthiness mm-hmm. and his grace. Therefore, you are now a child. And that is something to actually stand upon because if you're going to boast, boast in the Lord. Right. And that's, I'm a child of God. And I know it gets used in squishy evangelical settings a lot. It's pasted on coffee cups sure. to be where it becomes, I'm on fire right now. Like, to, try it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to where it becomes a, a mascot and meaningless. But being an image bearer of God and knowing that you're his child simply because he saved you. Uh-huh. I can't say this about everybody who has not been saved. They're made in the image of God, but they are not a child of God unless yeah. you repent and put your faith in Jesus. But if you have, start to look at these things. And then you start to get his character, his reflection. Everything should be reflected off of him. And now you have a goal within these things. Mm-hmm. These are the things that I'm striving for. But the truth is, you've never left that atmosphere of being a child of God. He's near you. He's near the contrite in heart and broken in spirit. Mm-hmm. He's near the one who has heart sickness. He's near the one who has a crushed spirit. And he's given you tools and mechanisms to yeah. pursue to not only overcome that, but to be on the other side, uh, better repaired because you learn wisdom along Ooh, the right. way. To endure it. Yes. Um, I mean, he broke me down completely. I described um, uh, myself. I'm using a lot of hand motions right now. Um, you can tell I'm <laughs> preaching. But like I described myself uh, coming out of drug addiction as somebody who's been completely broken down and stripped bare. And I had this image in my mind as just a, uh, a person with you can – no skin just muscles and i was shaking and then parts of my sanctification i started getting attached my skin Skin back yeah yeah. to where i wasn't shaking like a buffalo bill exactly yeah yeah (laughs) not that morbid but yeah um uh oh wait the lotion on it yeah where she a great big fat person (laughs) uh but (laughs) but um um but uh i I love doing that song oh wait wait um (laughs) she was a big girl sorry yes um but that's how i uh, that's how I described uh, mm-hmm. myself. Why? I didn't even know whether it was appropriate to open the door for somebody. I was so devastated in mind. I, I didn't know my left or my right. Yeah. I mean, I was Making a child. decisions, right, was just impossible. I was a child, but mm-hmm. as the wisdom started in court and the suffering with it, the depression, the trauma, the anxiety, the crying, mm-hmm. uh, you know, randomly, all of that stuff with my, biolo- my biology, my environment, and thoughts about all of those things started to come into play in the complete to- uh, co- uh, cocktail of the crushed spirit. Jesus started doing his work. Right. And as I started to pursue him, understand who he is or who I am in light of who he is, is when I started to overcome those things. Right. To experience. Him. Right. So, again, like the, it, I think it, we've talked about this a lot in other episodes. It was laborious. It's the difference between being Christ focused and being self focused. And it didn't and happen overnight. I was no, confused why it didn't. It's work. But it's laborious. Yeah. Any I mean, when you do psychotherapy, I mean, it, it, it's. 
it's long term. I know insurances don't like that word, but it is long term. You can't just go three months to be effective, right? Yes, you can't Mm -hmm. just pay for it for three months. Oh, you should be fine by now. Difficult. One of the the first things I would say to people who were coming in to see me was, "You are going to have lots of days where you do not want to do this." Yeah. Where it is a struggle, you have to fight. You have to push yourself to come. Tony Soprano. You know. Yeah. Um. Um, So like because it is work. It's a process, but. Like, that's the thing. A very wise friend of mine, um, Joy Tembe of Sheologian, said to me once, um, God doesn't save you, save you from yourself so that you can miss your life. Yeah. Okay. So that means you should be present for the suffering, right? Yeah. The valleys and the hills. Yeah. Okay. And the Holy Spirit gives us what we need to mm. do that to endure it right we pathologize i'll say this forever i'll say this until i'm dead we over pathologize everything god is not telling us that we should not feel i mean if to me scripture is so clear that we have permission to have feelings about things mm. um and it delineates when those things become sinful i think pretty clearly too yeah um and sometimes there's <clears throat> more nuance than others right when you move from individual to individual um but if you are going through job loss and you feel sad about it that's okay and guess yeah. what you're not gonna frolic you're yeah. like you like you won't feel sad forever yeah. at least not in the way that you do immediately after something like that happens yeah. right and as to just sort of, like jump back off of what you were saying if you practice readjusting your focus from self to Christ, naturally, that propensity towards depression is going to ebb a little bit. Right. Now, again, we're talking like I'm talking about situational, environmentally caused depression, right? Circumstantial depression, or situational depression. I'm sorry. Um, there are, like I said before, at the beginning of this episode, there are people who are who experience depressed mood, right? Um, and it's it is physical. Mm-hmm. Um, postpartum depression, for example, sure, yeah. is very hormonal, oh, right? Yeah. Um, uh, we and what like uh, the TBI example that we talked about. So, um, if you or anyone you know is struggling with depressed mood, please don't hear us saying that all you need to do is uh, focus on Christ more, and like you won't feel bad because that's not what we're saying. Mm-hmm. But I he mean, is yeah. he is the cure for those circumstances, right, where we are feeling discontented. If our eyes are on him yeah. and not on self, naturally, oh, right. our, with our focus aligned to him. I'll, I'll say it this way. Our mood it, changes. It's a little clear this way. He is the solution, right? If we have yes. a formula, he's uh, – and then formula of this, 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 or this equals this. He – is always the solution to the problem. However, the formula is going to be um, uh, his will. It's predicated upon his will. He defines the formula, but he always says that he's the solution. And the formula looks different for everybody. And so if we give you 12, I mean, the reason why we're saying focus on Christ is because there's a certain way that you're going to actually pursue that. Right, if I gave you the 12 steps, you would be a robot in the kingdom of God having to do this and do this. And you're going to be completely devastated at the end result is not what you want. Mm. But if you start to understand the character of God and you have to understand uh, his providence, 
it starts to become a little easier to accept the things that you have and not necessarily the mm-hmm. things that you want. Um, you have what you need. And uh, I, I, you know, like I was talking about my degree at one point, I've said, uh, you know, I don't want to concentrate on this blessing so, you know, so much because I know that there's tons more miracles and blessings to come. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'll describe those. Um, and I'll start, I, I was talking about progressive sanctification in that part. But I, I did acknowledge the fact that, yes, I have a blessing and there will be much more to come. I don't know one. I don't know what, I don't know how, I don't but know one know way. But you know it will. Right. Yeah. And the biblical presentation would, would be to store your treasures up in heaven, though you may suffer down on here. Right. So part of the understanding and overcoming the crushed spear is actually accepting your suffering as well. Right. And what your responsibility. Not avoiding it. Yeah. And yeah. what your responsibility in light of that suffering right. is. Extremely well said. Yeah. Exactly. And um, that's the hardest to deal with. Oh, because yeah. Because sometimes you might wake because up. Because it, yeah, it hurts. It hurts. And we want total peace, but we might have to accept the fact that in some situations, we're going to have low energy that day. What's your responsibility in that? Which is what I stole from Piper. A big, a big part of overcoming this was God, don't let me waste my depression. Yes. Right. What can I learn through it? So that you he's know. talking about John Piper. Yeah. Um, I mean, he never said, don't let me waste my depression. But I just stole. No, it he from, said, don't know, let me waste my cancer, cancer or don't well, let which me waste. Which is yeah. way more throat punchy. Or, or don't waste your life. Um, I think that's where that started. But yeah. Uh, actually, that is a great segue. Um, Piper wrote a book called When the Darkness Will Not Lift that is all about yeah. depression. Um, and if you are struggling or know somebody that it's a great read, it's short, right. um, which is helpful, especially when you're not feeling very well. Um, but check it out. I love Piper's prose. Um, and he is so in love with Jesus. It just kind of comes out in his writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really nice. It helps you emote a little bit while you're reading. Yeah, I cry a lot when I hear him because I, I relate to him in my emotions. I'm so emotional, yeah. uh, which females like that for some reason. But, you know, like I would <laughs> rather be a little bit more stable. <laughs> but uh, uh, it makes for good humor. It really does. Oh, uh, when I when I go and do an open mic, I'll, I'll launch it on here maybe. And you'll, you, you, you'll see what I'm talking about. But just to wrap everything up, we'll, we'll wrap everything up. I want to read something from reformmargins.com about the crushed spirit. Um, You know, it says a man, you know, it it, it, it went off the verse of the man's sickness will uh, or man's spirit will endure sickness, uh, but a crushed spirit who can bear. It says that even the throes of terminal sickness, many a spirit find hope that can sustain them even unto death. But the thing about a crushed spirit is that it just cannot seem to find any such hope. Wow. And that really is your total inability to delight in God and you don't want to live anymore. Mm-hmm. And that can manifest in all kinds of categories, which we've talked about today. But there is a purpose for your pain and a purpose for your life right. inside of Christ that will make more sense. Absolutely. Outside of Christ, it's complete chaos. There's no meaning. A life full of medifi- uh, medication, mm-hmm. constantly talking to somebody and clinging on to virtues that will change in about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, <laughs> with all your sufferings, in this world, you will suffer many yeah. trials and tribulations, but take heart, take, take heart. courage. He has overcome the world. Bye. Bye.